Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture, everybody say all Scripture, is given by inspiration of God. And here's what it does. It's profitable for doctrine. Everybody say doctrine. Say reproof. Say correction. For instruction in righteousness. And then Paul said that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So Paul is celebrating the power, the privilege, the protection of the Word of God. My subject today, I trust for your edification, I would like to entitle, Don't Protect Me From My Bible. Don't protect me (laughs) from my Bible. I want you to turn to somebody and point your finger and say, Don't protect me from my Bible. Tell them I can handle it. (laughs) And everybody's going to preach by saying amen at least one time, maybe seated. (laughs) Everything that we see, hear, and feel, and identify, and appreciate in this congregation today, we owe it all to this book right here. Everything that we see, everything that we feel, everything that we know that's eternal, everything that is important, everything that is valuable, everything that keeps us on the straight and narrow, everything that shows us how we should live, we find it right here in this book. The Bible is the plenary, inspired, inerrant word of God. Plenary, all of it. Inspired, God breathed. Inerrant, without mistakes. The Bible is the plenary, inspired, inerrant word of God. Are there any questions? (laughs) If God is a spirit, how did he write the word for us? Well, the first written word of God was written by the finger of God. God is a spirit, but he must have made himself a finger right there. Wouldn't that have been something to see? Two tables of stone, the Ten Commandments, his finger coming out of nowhere, attached to nothing. Amazing. First Peter 1, 19 So we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines into dark places. 
I prayed this morning, Lord, let your word shine in every dark place of my heart. Let it shine in every dark place of every heart today. Let it expose what is not like Jesus and let it attack it and devour it and destroy it with his name and his blood and unroot it out of our lives and bring us to full light. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first, no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. This is 1 Peter 1.21. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. I'm sure that some of the writers that God used to give us the word had other ideas than God's ideas. I'm sure their education was counterculture to God's education. I'm sure that their theories, their beliefs in the setting in which they wrote were not exactly what God had in mind. But the Bible said these men set all of those agendas aside. They set their will aside. They set their background aside. They set their culture sensitivities aside. And they spoke and wrote what God wanted to give us. Are you thankful for the word today? Are you thankful for the word of God? The word of God is revelatory. It's prophetic. And all prophecy and all scripture is prophetic. And it has a then and a now application. Or... Let's put ourselves in the now and the future in the then. The word of God has a now word, a now application. And by the layers of the spirit of prophecy, it also has a future explanation. The Bible is as current and as relevant as any headline you could Google on your phone while I'm preaching right now. Not that anybody gets on their phones while I'm preaching, but I've tried the Bible and I found it to be true. I've tested the Bible and I found it to be worthy of all of my trust. I have obeyed the Bible and my life has been blessed because I have obeyed it. I have placed my faith in the Bible and I am a testimony to the blessings that have resulted in my life and that of my family and that of this congregation because we have placed our faith in God's word. I come from a long line of Bible reading, Bible obeying, Bible preaching, Bible thumping, Bible living, Bible trusting believers and in my 66 years I've done what I can to produce a long line after me of Bible believing, Bible preaching, Bible trusting. Come on. Bible thumping. That's right. I'm going to thump the Bible today. Hallelujah. It's in the book. My father lived his life according to the word his father before him and my elders. The Bible has been good for me. It has been good 
to me. It has been good with me. The Bible has been good through me. The Bible has been good in spite of me. The Bible is our code of conduct. It is our roadmap of life. It is our sole rule of faith. We have no other revelation. We have no other book than the word of God. I have ordered my life by the word of God. I order my day by the word of God. I order my calendar by the word of God. I order my bank account by the word of God. I order my relationships by the word of God. I order my spirituality by the word of God. I am what I am today because of God's word. I read it. I study it. I memorize it. I meditate on it. I quote it. I look at this world through the lens of the Bible. I test every other religion with my Bible. I test every other faith tradition with my Bible. I test every prophet through my Bible. I test every other belief system through my Bible. Hallelujah. Praise God. I just want to kiss it today. I love this book. I love the Bible. Everything I am, everything I hope to be, I owe it all to this written word of God that has changed me. It's directed me. It's kept me from evil. It's protected me. It's guided and directed my life. I want to tell you that the word of God will work every time it's tried. When you stand on the word, God is going to stand with you because nobody's going to make a liar out of God. The Bible said, let God be true and every man a liar. Praise God. Thy word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Heaven and earth will pass away, Jesus said, but my words will by no means pass away. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting. And his truth endureth to all generations. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. In the text, in the text of 2 Timothy, it says that the Bible completely equips the man of God for every good work. Everybody say every good work. What, what, what work is that? Paul is speaking of the work that a pastor or a teacher or an apostle, a prophet or evangelist, the members of the fivefold ministry are called of God to produce in us. The Bible says that they 
Their job is to equip us so that we can turn around and do the work of the ministry. The word of God is their toolbox. It's full of every tool and every apparatus you can think of to work on us. How many still need a little work? 73% of you still need a little work. <laughs> What's, the rest of you are perfect? Well, if you're perfect, just go right on up into heaven, then go ahead. The rest of us, we still need a little work. God loves us too much to leave us the way we are. You're pretty good, but you got a little ways to go. Fivefold ministry are trying to get us saved. They're trying to mold us into becoming saints of God. You may be a child of God the moment you obey the gospel, but that doesn't make you a saint. You got a little ways to go yet before you become a saint of God. The Bible says we're called to be saints. We're called out of darkness into his marvelous light for salvation, but it takes a while. It takes a while. You don't get saved on Sunday, become a saint on Monday. It takes discipleship. It takes obedience. It takes a relationship with God. It, it takes getting junk out of your life and and getting rid of this and throwing that away and, and bringing in, in godliness and righteousness. It's, it's about making good decisions for you and, and for those that are following you. It takes, it takes a while. A saint has status with God. Amen. A saint means sacred. It means holy. It means separated. And it takes a while to become a saint. And there's a lot of saints in this house today. Amen. Make sure you're a saint and not an ain't. <laughs> Just look straight ahead. I don't have anybody in mind. <laughs> Pastors and preachers use the word of God to equip us, to arm us, to outfit us, to gear us up. So that we can be equipped to do the work of the ministry, to fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ, to go make disciples, and to baptize. I am at work right now. And our pastor and our teachers and preachers here on staff and those that are guests that come in and minister the word that are partnered with us. We, we go to work every Wednesday and every Sunday and every Bible study and every training session and we do our best to use our skills and our education and our, our personalities and our abilities and our knowledge and revelation of the word of God to inspire you and to equip you with every good work that is found in this book. Paul said that this good work of the word of God from us to you is profitable. Ooh, that sounds good. It's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness. In the 21st century, the average Christian 
does not hear much of anything at all from their pulpit about reproof, correction, or instruction in righteousness. I sometimes wonder if certain pastors know full well what the Bible says, but they don't preach it or teach it either because it doesn't fit their tradition or they don't want to lose any listeners. You might say, perhaps they are protecting the people who come to hear the word from their own Bibles. I heard about a minister who was being considered by a church in Kentucky to be their pastor and their system was they wanted to hear four sermons before they decided if they wanted this person to become their pastor. So the first sermon he preached against the evils of tobacco. Well, after his sermon, one of the well-meaning church members came up and said, now you know that was a nice sermon, but you know you're in Kentucky, right? We, we have a lot of tobacco fields in Kentucky, and there's a lot of people in this church that earn their living from tobacco. And if it was South Kentucky, tobacco. And, uh, you know, they pay their tithes and their offerings. You might want to, if you want to be our pastor, you better think about that. Okay, second sermon. He preached against the dangers of strong drink. And one of the members came up and said, you know, that was a nice sermon, but have you ever heard of Kentucky bourbon? You know, sort of popular around here. And there's people that work at the factories that make bourbon that come to this church. And they are good supporters of this church. You better think that one through. Third sermon. He preached against games of chance. And gambling, and betting. One of the well-meaning members came up and said, Kentucky Derby, ring a bell. A lot of people here make their living working at the Kentucky Derby. In fact, did you see that short guy in the front row? He's a jockey at the Kentucky Derby. Man, he couldn't preach against tobacco. He couldn't preach against bourbon. He couldn't preach against gambling. So finally, the fourth sermon, I think he just gave up. And he said, my subject today is the migrating instincts of the bowhead whale. <laughs> and they all loved it and voted him in. I can tell you from experience that if a preacher uses the word of God for everything that Paul said it's profitable for, Reproving, rebuking, correcting, he could pay a price for it. Proverbs says that a fool will not receive correction, but a wise man will. And Paul said that not many wise are called. If you preach the whole Bible, you may suffer consequences. But on the other hand, if you do preach the word of God, 
you can also reap great rewards. I remember teaching Pete and Ella Olson a Bible study many years ago in their home. We started in April and we taught every Thursday night from 7 till about 9. And, uh, and I never invited them to church. Finally, in November, Pete asked me where our church was. I told him where it was. He said, oh, I know where that is. I pass by it all the time. They came to church. I've told you that story before. I won't rehearse that. But after a while, and they were coming to church. They were baptized in the name of the Lord, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they were growing, and I was really concerned because they had a house at the lake. They had a, I think it was on uh, Lake of the Ozarks. And they would go down there every weekend and party. And I remember early on in the Bible study thinking, oh, Lord, this isn't going to work. If they're going to the lake every weekend, they won't want to be coming to the house of God. I still remember having a lot of anxiety about that. But I just put that in God's hands. I thought, well, I'm just going to do my job. I'm just going to teach the word. I'm going to preach the word. I'm going to live the word. I'm going to share the word. And that's what we did. And I will never forget the Sunday morning after we finally got in our new facility. So this is over 17 years ago. Pete met me in the narthex right there between those two doors. And he had a check folded in half. And he put it in my hand and he said, Pastor, look at this later. So I was real casual about it. I knew it was a check. I was real casual. Oh, thanks, Pete. I sort of put it in my, my pocket. As soon as Pete was out the door, I'm like, I'm going to the office. I'm going to open up this check right now. I'm going to see what it is. It was the largest single offering at that time that had ever been given to this church in the history that I had served as pastor. Everything that I was worried about, everything that I was concerned, he told me later, he said, we sold the lake house because we want to come to God's house on the weekends. And he said, we got blessed and we wanted to bless the house of God. I'm going to tell you the word of God is profitable for correction, for reproof, for instruction. Listen, don't ever murder the preacher in your heart. Don't ever murder a man or a woman of God that's preaching the word of God. When you come to hear the word, you're not coming to, to uh, yesterday, uh, me and Jarrell, we hung out at, uh, what is the name? Peachtree Cafeteria. And uh, I like cafeteria eating because I can pick and choose what I want. I walked right by the Brussels sprout. I walked right by the sauerkraut. I went right for the catfish. And I went right for the fried chicken. And I went right for the mac and cheese. But can I tell you something? The very thing that you don't like to hear is a thing that you need to hear. The very thing that rubs you the wrong way is the very thing that you need to hear so that it can change you and purify you. I can't tell you how many times I came to the house of God and my heart wasn't right, but I heard the word and it convicted me and I wanted to go to the altar and I wanted to pray and I wanted to get my heart right. My friend, that's the power of coming to the house of God and hearing the word of God. It's profitable to correct us and reprove us. When you preach commitment, you may lose people. 
Jesus did in John 6. He wasn't interested in an attraction model church. You know, free food, giving stuff away, big crowd, fish and chips Sunday. And Peter, James, and John, the executive board, they got together before Jesus' sermon. Peter said to James, did you, take, did you look at Jesus' notes? He said, no, I'm worried, guys. You know, when he gets on that discipleship stuff, you know what happens. He's got a big crowd, probably 20,000. Dinner on the grounds. Wonderful Sunday. And he blows it. He wrecks a beautiful day. He says, except you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no life in you and no part of me. He's calling them to follow. He's calling them to discipleship. Can I explain to you what's different about this church? If you're a guest here today in other churches, I'm not putting anybody else down, but I will tell you that when you come to the light church, there's an expectation that there will be a before and after picture in your life. Amen. If you've been coming here a year and you haven't changed anything, you haven't got rid of anything, you haven't added anything, you haven't quit anything, you haven't started anything, you're the exact person that you were 12 months ago, then something is disconnecting. We have a failure to communicate. Amen. But I'm trying to preach the word of God to you. The word of God is life. It is strength. Amen. I've had people walk out because I preach holiness. I had people People walk out on me while I'm preaching because I refuse to compromise the gospel of Jesus Christ. You still got to repent. There is no such thing in the word of God as a sinner's prayer. I cannot pray any prayer for you that will save you. The only way to be saved is to repent of your sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin and he will fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Jesus preached commitment. He preached discipleship. And he lost people. He lost people. In fact, he lost them all. While he was preaching, somebody in the back row said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? Huh? Sometimes the truth hurts. If the shoe fits... Levin D. <laughs> and the Bible said, from that day, many that followed him turned and walked with him no more. When you preach commitment, you may lose people, but you choose who you lose. When I preach Commitment. I've never had a committed person come up to me and say, boy, that really ticked me off today. You just preach about prayer and fasting. You know, you just preach about tithing and giving. That really upset me today. No, committed people, they're like, well, thank God, pastor's finally preaching that. I'm tired of carrying all you suckers on my back. I'm tired of doing all the giving and all the praying and all the, you know. Do you bring a shovel or a rake to church? 
Too many people got shovels. Well, boy, thank you, Pastor. He sure needed that one over there. Boy, I'll tell you what, he, she needed that. Forget that. Throw the shovel away. Get your rake and rake in everything. Bring it all in. Amen. As for me, this is what I need. I'm going to serve the Lord. This is going to make the difference in my life. Everybody all right? Some people just can't handle the truth. John the Baptist preached the word for correction and righteousness. He told his audience, stop committing adultery. It got him fired and executed. Jesus wept over Jerusalem because they were lost. And they were lost because they refused to hear the prophets. They stoned them. They killed them. The very men who brought them the saving word of God. You can assassinate and execute a preacher in your heart and still keep coming to church. It happens all the time. Oh, Bishop's preaching? Well, he preached something 10 years ago. It really ticked me off. And I'm not going to listen. Well, I can't control that. I can't manage that. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. I don't want to be protected from my Bible. I can take it. Whatever is here, I need it. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. God has chosen through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. There was a long-tenured elderly saint of God in a church about 40 years. And uh, the pastor was standing at the back doors. Everybody was exiting at the end of the service. He noticed that her Bible was like down to just a few pages. He, it, he was curious about that. He said, ma'am, uh, or sister so-and-so, I've known, you know, you've been in this church your whole life, the whole time I've been here. What, what's going on with your Bible? You've just got a few pages in your Bible. Looks like you've been, somebody's been tearing pages out of your Bible. She said, well, I've been coming to this church for 40 years, and every time a preacher would reference a scripture and then say, well, that's not for us today. I thought, well, if it's not for us, I'm just going to take it out of my Bible. You cannot come to the Bible with a prejudice. When Jesus served communion, he said, eat all of it. I am the living bread. Come on, eat it all. Drink it all. If the Bible is nothing more than a collection of ancient writings penned by false prophets like the book Muhammad wrote and Joseph Smith wrote, then we are doomed. Paul said that if Jesus did not resurrect from the dead, then our faith is worthless and we will die in our sin and we will be lost in eternity. If the Bible is not the word of God, then I'm confessing to you today that I am lost. I am delusional. 
I have no hope because I have no other plan. I have no other book. There is no plan B for me. I am all in. Whatever this is, I'm in. Whatever this says, I'm in. I don't have an escape clause. I don't have a trap door. I'm not waiting for some UFO to come in and save me if this doesn't work. If this doesn't work, I have no hope. But I'm going to tell you, I've been believing this for 66 years. And it works. The Bible works. The Word of God works. It is quick. It is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It will pierce and divide asunder the soul and the spirit. It will separate the joints from the marrow. And the word of God will walk into your life and discern the thoughts and the intents of your heart. I've had people come up to me and say, after I preached, pastor, how did you know? I didn't know. But the word of God scoped it out. The word of God chased you down. We better thank God for the day that we obeyed his word. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the path of sinners nor sits in the seat of the scornful. His delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law he meditates day and night. He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That brings forth its fruit in its season. Whose leaf shall not wither. And whatever he does. Pastor talked about it today. Shall prosper. The ungodly. It doesn't work for them. They are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. Nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. But the way of the ungodly shall perish. Hallelujah. The unprotected word of God has blessed me all my life. You don't have to protect me from my Bible. If you got a word for me, I want to hear it. If you got a scripture for me, I want to hear it. If you got a message from the word, I've got to have it. It could make the difference between heaven and hell for me because I've got to hear the word. In my life, I refuse to listen to the counsel of the ungodly. I don't like those voices in my life. I just remembered my pastor who succeeded my first pastor telling the story about when he was a teenager. He was awakened early in the evening. He had just fallen asleep. And there were some men that came from the church to his his house to talk to his dad. They were scorners. They were attacking the ministry. They were rebelling against spiritual authority. And he said they did everything they could to convince my dad to join with them. He said, I was so proud of my dad as a teenager. He said, gentlemen, thank you for coming, but I'm not going to do I'm not going along with you. I'm going to take a stand for the man of God. 
And even if he's wrong, God's going to bless me. I believe he's a praying man and God can correct him if he needs to be corrected. But it's not my place to do it. And I'm happy to tell you, amen, that my pastor was not in false doctrine, but he was taking a stand for godliness. I can tell you that I know for a fact that there was sin in every one of those men's lives. And you better be careful what you say about the ministry because it could be exposing you more than it is exposing a man of God. And when my pastor was preaching this sermon, many years after the fact, he's now probably in his 50s, and he told this story. He, named, he didn't name those men, but he talked about how every one of them died. Cruel, painful deaths. I'm not trying to manipulate anybody. I'm not trying to you know, dramatize this. I'm just telling you the way it is. And I thank God for my pastor. I thank God for a man of God that ever stood and declared and preached the whole counsel of God. If I don't agree with it, then I'm gonna take it to the altar and I'm gonna ask God to correct me and to help me understand what it is that I need to hear. We have no reason to fear what is written in the scripture. All the word of God is powerful because it's inspired by God. Content of the Bible can be challenging, it can be ominous. The content of the Bible can be counterintuitive, it can be counterculture. It certainly is counter carnality. There are some scriptures that work really well for us. They're no brainers. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The mercies of the Lord are tender and they're new every morning. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Beautiful. And then there are other scriptures that don't always work so well. Scriptures that are hard sometimes to understand and even harder to live out. Pray for them that mistreat you. Love your enemies. Turn the other cheek. You won't be forgiven unless you first forgive. Take up your cross and follow me. Subordinate every other relationship to relationship with God. If your brother offends you, go to him alone. Everybody all right? Following Jesus will cost you something. If it's costing you nothing, then I doubt the authenticity of your discipleship. Following Jesus will cost you the pleasures of sin. It will cost you time on your calendar. It will cost you money in your bank account. It will cost you meals, sacrificing and fasting. And spending time with God in prayer. Is a pastor doing his job if he's praying and he notices something in the word? He says, well, I'm not going to preach that because it's really hard. People won't like that. What, what if you went to a doctor and the doctor had news for you? 
would, would he be or she be any kind of a doctor at all if they didn't tell you the truth? No matter what the truth is, you want to hear it. It's no different. In the house of God. Preaching. If I was a doctor, I would not enjoy having those conversations. I remember my sister Pam and I flew to Oregon to be with our dad who was diagnosed with melanoma and multiple myeloma. And we were there at that initial consultation and we flat out asked him, we said, if dad doesn't do anything, any treatments, how long does he have to live? And he looked at us and he said, well, he'll live a long, rich life. No, he's got six months. It was the truth. And so dad decided to take the treatment and it extended his life five years. And we are so grateful for that. Everybody okay? Don't protect me from my Bible. Now, I don't believe that preachers should be mean. I don't believe in preaching mad. This church has never seen me preach mad. Never. Some preachers, they don't get anointed unless they're mad, and that's not anointing. <laughs> I don't believe in bully pulpits, preaching angry. Paul said that sometimes the word, whether we're reading it or hearing it, it will convict us. It will rebuke us. It will instruct us. Paul said in the last days that there would be teachers heaping to themselves, having itching ears. They will not endure sound doctrine and turn away their ears from the truth and to fables. Don't protect me from my Bible. The fornicator does not need to be protected from the Bible. Get out of it. Admit it. Quit it. Forget it. God's word is right. The adulterer should not be protected from their Bible. The liar does not need to be protected from the word of God today. The addict does not need to be protected. Paul said, I will not be brought under the power of anything. The homosexual does not need to be protected from the word of God. The transsexual, the transgender, the gender of the day gender, the gender dysphoric. Listen, I'm not being insensitive and I'm not being angry, but this is a pushback against God and the order of creation and the word of God is still right. There's something else going on behind the scenes. I refuse to embrace the Bible of pop culture and pop psychology. The word of God is still true. Don't protect me from my Bible. It's the only thing that will save me. I brought some Bibles today. I'm closing. This is my first closing. This is a Schofield. My pastor preached from it when I was a teenager. I have it. His wife gave it to me. This 
is a Bible that S.G. Norris perhaps walked to the pulpit with the day he dedicated me and my sister. She's way older than me, but she's a little bit older than me. S.G. Norris, iconic signature. Wow. 235 Crestview Drive, St. Paul, Minnesota, 55119. I know right where that is. And this is a Bible, my sweet dad, was given to him by his pastor, S.G. Norris. Dad kept track of how many times he read the Bible through in that Bible. So on this side, I've got, I got all my, my pastor's Bible. And then on this side, I got all my Bibles. Well, I got 30 Bibles in my office, but let me tell you about these two Bibles. So when I was teaching David and Julie 32 years ago, 33 years ago in their house, I, I was preaching from this dakes. I had to put it up because the binding broke and I, I used it. And my dad always said the person who Bible is wearing out probably isn't. And uh, I'd come in to David and Julie. I had my Bible study chart and I'd have my big dakes annotated Bible. My brother told me to buy this one because... If you're teaching a Bible study and somebody asks you a question, it's got commentary right in the margins. And then if you don't have an answer, you can just let Dakes answer the question for you. But Dakes isn't always right. <laughs> so I remember one time I forgot to grab my Dakes. And I was on my way to David and Jews like, oh, I forgot my Bible. And I was pawing around in my glove box and I, I had this Bible. It's, uh, it's an entire Bible. And so when I walked in, Hey, David. Hey, Julie. I know it's David. He sort of looked at me and he went. <laughs> he probably don't remember this, but I'll never forget it. It's like, oh, pastor, where's the big Bible? I said, oh, I forgot it. He goes, well, is that Bible powerful as the big Bible? <laughs> don't you love it? My Bibles. This is my. This is, this is my nine-year-old Bible I got for saying the books of the Bible from memory. And it's got sort of a torn, it's not torn, it's wore out from my sweaty adolescent palms getting ready to do sword drill battles in, in, in Sunday school. And uh, it's dated November 13th, 1966. And this is my Bible college Bible, and it's a Cambridge wide margins. So I got all my Bible study, my Bible school notes in here. And this is one of two Bibles that I travel with now. So, don't, don't protect me. This is what got me on the straight and narrow. This is what set my path. 
This is what set my pattern. This is why I met the lovely, the beautiful, the gracious, the Queen Marlene, because I wanted a godly woman. So this made me a godly man so that I could attract a godly woman because I learned a long time ago, you can't attract what you want. You can only attract what you are. But I came under the authority of the word of God and the preaching of my pastors and my dad. And then I had to come to a place in my life, amen, where I had to know the word for myself and I had to live the word for myself. I'm gonna tell you something. I think I turned out pretty good and I turned out good only by the grace of God and my submission to the word of God. If it's in this book, I want it. If Jesus said it, then I believe it and I'm going to obey it and I'm going to live by it today. I want you to stand with me and I preached too long this morning, but it's been a while. Everybody all right? I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think about a scripture that means something to you. A portion of the word of God that the Lord would quicken to your mind right now. Maybe it's a word that when you first heard it, you didn't like it. But it's like the Bible says, in the mouth it's bitter, but it's sweet in the belly after you swallow it. Job said, thy very word has sustained me because my feet did not depart from its paths. Do you have your eyes closed? Are you thinking about the word of God that has made a difference in your life? The word of God will never steer you wrong. It will never take you down a wrong path. Do you have it? Do you have it? If you got a scripture, I want you to lift your hands and I want you to quote it best you can right now go ahead speak that word speak that word just speak it out right now speak it out speak that word out come on declare it let it become a rhema let it become an activated word come on are you thankful nobody protected you from that word nobody tried to keep it from you praise God Can I tell you in judgment, there will be preachers stand in judgment who protected people from the truth of the word of God. Lord, I don't want that to be me. I want to speak it. I want to declare it. I want your people to be blessed because they heard. Does anybody remember a message you heard preached? Brother Parkey was here two weeks ago. He said, I preached a sermon when I was district superintendent. Change or die. Have a nice day. Amen. A word that God spoke to you. You're thankful for a preacher. Lift your hands right now and thank God for a message. You'll never forget it. You'll never forget it. It gave you a trajectory for your life. Psalm 19:7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, 
making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than fine gold. Yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and keeping them there is great reward. Let's lift our hands in the presence of God. Lord, let your word edify. Let your word correct. Let your word reprove. Let it rebuke. Let it give instruction in righteousness. Lord, if somebody's living in sin, let them come out of that sin right now. If somebody has not obeyed the full gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord, may they obey it today. Today is the day of salvation. <laughs> I got to be saved, Lord. I got to be saved. By the word. If you love the word, if you need the word, if you love to hear the word, if you like to build your life around the word, let's come forward and commit ourselves to the word of God. Every word, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Praise God. Come on, don't be protected. Don't protect yourself from the word of God today. Hear the word, receive the word, speak the word, declare the word, hallelujah. Declare the word. Come on, somebody use the word of God right now. Let it give you direction. Let it be food. Let it be peace. Let it be joy. Let it be righteousness in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the difference, Lord, that the word is made. Praise God. Come on, activate that word right now. Just activate it. Activate the word. Come on, if you need healing, activate. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Come on, activate the word of God. Hallelujah. If you've got a problem, if you've got a mountain, if you've got a challenge, activate the word of God. It is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The mountain that stand before you will be leveled like a plain. Hallelujah. Come on, speak the word. Love the word. Activate the word. I think we need to be a little bit stronger right now. Come on. A little bit stronger. Come on. We believe a word that is counterculture. We believe a Bible that is not popular. Let God be true. Let God be true. Come on. Let's stand. Let's stand. In the word. On the word. For the word. 
Let's raise our families. Let's stand with our brothers and our sisters in the word. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at the Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.